Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello there, everybody. What's going on? Today is Friday. It is the 26th of October, 2018. I am in the mobile studio. So you're going to hear some noises. I'm going to arrive at my destination rather shortly. But I will be parked for a little bit. So we uh, i got a few minutes at least to spend with you. So let's get that contact info posted. And then let's jump in with the show. Area code. Uh, area code. Good heavens. Voicemail. There we go. Is area code 206-745-2731. If you would prefer... To send me an email or if you want to make your own audio recording mocking me and deriding me that'd be great love to hear it you can send that to firearmscafe at protonmail.com all one word firearmscafe at protonmail.com now if you go over to the website which is firearmscafe.com you'll find buttons for facebook and twitter and instagram and youtube and all that kind of jazz if you are ever so inclined to throw a little moolah my way you can hit the old donation button down there and send me some of that money that you don't want anymore all right enough of joking around let's go ahead and jump in with the show and at least this segment i think is going to be maybe a little bit shorter but i find it very interesting how things are kind of in the Oh, in the in the in the social media realm, in the you know, we want to call it like the zeitgeist. If we want to say, well, what's in mainstream media? You know, what's going on with that type of stuff? And I, I find it interesting of why certain things are there, why certain things aren't. And if we go back and we look at, let's say, at old Kavanaugh, and I know some of your guys are saying, no, 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 no more Supreme talk stuff. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that. No more Supremes. But we're going to talk about it anyway. He's really not in the news much. Uh, for as much hatred and, and uh, vitriol as the left had for the guy, and considering he is the, I don't know, third worst thing since probably Hitler first, then Trump, and then him, according to the left. But it seems like they kind of lost that battle a little bit, and... They seem to have lost maybe some of the ability to use him as a uh, whipping boy or as a rallying cry. And so he's just on the back burner. Now, I guess they may, I don't know, the election, the midterms are getting much closer. So I don't know how much longer they're going to want to wait to bring it up, but it it seems that they might use him to kind of rally the base for one last uh, one last ditch effort to get people out there so they can say, well, if you give us the House and you give us the Senate, we can impeach Trump and we can get rid of that old, horrible, rotten molester that is Kavanaugh. We'll impeach him and, and uh, we'll put somebody in there who's the best thing since sliced bread. So, I don't know. 
I kind of think that I, you know, I, I had originally had thought, you know, normally what happens in a midterm election is you do have some turnover. And a lot of times the party that is in the White House loses more seats than it gains or retains, that type of thing. However, it seems that lately the, uh, the far left is kind of changing their tune and changing their strategy on certain things. So I don't know. It will be very, very interesting to see what happens. And we talked about, you know, Supreme Court type stuff. And really, I guess, because we have sort of ceded so much stuff over to the Supreme Court, uh, because we in our government have strayed and as the American people have allowed our elective officials to stray so far from the Constitution, we really shouldn't care who's in the White House. We really shouldn't care who's on the Supreme Court. Because all those positions or offices, however you want to call it, they should all be following the Constitution. And if they were doing that, the Second Amendment is to say, well, it's, you know, it's in here. And, you know, we're not going to do registration. We're not going to do this. We're not going to infringe on people. But, of course, that's not the case. So, unfortunately, it does matter who is in the White House. And it does matter who sits on the Supreme Court. And I know there are some people out there that, kind of like to get on their self-righteous soapbox and say, well, I don't vote, or I don't do this, or I don't do that. And at times, I'm one of those people. So I can throw stones, even though I live in a glass house. But I do think it is important, if for nothing else, if we can retain the House and the Senate. And, you know, who knows if we could retain the White House for another four years in 2020, then I think we would probably have a relatively conservative Supreme Court. Now, that has to be sort of taken with a grain of salt. And I am only talking about this as pertains to Second Amendment stuff. As far as privacy, Fourth Amendment things, Tenth Amendment stuff, well, most of the conservative judges, and I I guess probably the liberal ones too, love to increase the power of the government. They don't ever really seem to want to rein in government, and they they don't ever see overreach in any any aspect of what the government does. Uh, but anyway, kind of getting back to what's sort of in the news and, and what isn't, I understand that a lot of times that, because most of the mainstream media has a very liberal slant to it, and it seems very interesting how that when something doesn't really benefit the Democratic Party that much anymore, it, it sort of falls out of that news out of the news that's uh, what I'm looking the news schedule or whatever now is that coincidental in that it kind of follows maybe the news cycle meaning that every couple three weeks or something or something like that there's going to be something else that pops up I don't know maybe it's something like that but it does seem awful convenient that when oh some nut job goes and shoots up someplace that that's in the news for quite a while but yet when another nut job who has who would maybe make the point of oh well democrats are kind of crazy too it's not just a right-wing guy or when republicans get shot up as we saw when uh, scalise and those guys got attacked and shot uh, while they were practicing the softball well that was really i mean literally not figuratively but literally was in the news i think for about three days and then nobody mentioned it anymore. Now, had somebody like a Cory Booker 
or a Maxine Waters or a Nancy Pelosi got shot back then, we'd still be hearing about it. And you'd never hear the end of it. So anyway, but again, because it didn't fit the agenda, it wasn't going to, the person who was the victim in that case was not going to push gun control. Three days tops. And then it's moving on. Nothing to see here. Oh, well. Now, speaking of a guy who I think and should be still maybe in the news, and it it's an interesting thing, and that's Cody Wilson. Oh, I'm going to jump around here, but it's Cody Wilson. And for those of you guys who don't know who Cody Wilson, he was sort of the tip of the spear. He was going to be the golden boy kind of of the gun and, and gun culture, gun world, because he was the guy that was putting out plans for being able to 3D print a gun and, and magazines and parts and followers and all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, he had his fall from grace. He had his scandal where he, um, and I guess allegedly did not know the girl that he was hooking up with was under the age of uh, 18. And I think it's under the, they made a point of saying under the age of 17, because I think in Texas, maybe age of consent or something like that would be 17. But I, you know, don't hold me to that. But anyway, it, it does sort of, uh, his situation does sort of bring to light how the right and how the left, or well, I shouldn't even say right and left. What I should say is because we're talking about subcultures or, or subsets of cultures. So how the gun culture kind of handled Cody Wilson's fall from grace and how the left handles certain things like when Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton or Cory Booker or Nancy Pelosi or any one of these other people or uh, was Anthony Weiner and uh, who was the other? There was a couple other people that got caught up kind of in sex scandals and how they sort of handled that stuff. And it seems like for the most part that left is is more forgiving of that type of thing, you know, especially if you look at somebody like a Cory Booker and, and a couple other people who have admitted to what the left would term like sexual um, misconduct or predation, that type of thing, but yet they get a pass. And on the right, it seems like what, well, again, on the gun culture side of it, I don't want to just keep saying right and left, but on the gun culture side of it, it seems that more people were like, well, hey, if this guy was actually doing this stuff, he's a creep and nuts to him. But it is one of those things, too, where you wonder, like, what's going to happen with his company? Now, supposedly he stepped down, and I haven't really heard anything about what's going on or when his trial is going to be or any of, any of that type of thing. Is he going to take a plea deal? I know he did step away from the company. But he was sort of the figurehead of that. So I wonder if that company will continue, if the ideas will keep coming. Was he the main driver or was he just sort of, uh, again, maybe he was good at going and doing interviews and this, that, and the other thing. And so he was more the public face. But it was sort of a uh, kind of a brain trust where several people, you know, understood what was going on and understood the thing. You know, I don't know. Uh, but it will be interesting to see kind of what happens with him long term. Will he end up going to jail? Uh, but once, and I guess maybe the point that I was trying to make with some of this stuff is that once he 
had his fall, it seems like the news, the idea of 3D printing just went away. It's like it doesn't exist anymore. Well, the reality of, of it is, is all that information is still out there. The company is still there. He's just not um, heading the company anymore. So maybe he's not a lightning rod. So who knows? Maybe it'll be a thing that like kind of a, a long-term deal where now that he's gone, it will kind of quietly go under the radar and the plans and stuff will still be out there. You know, I don't know. There's, uh, I haven't heard much about the ongoing, um, uh, what do they call it? Like, uh, when they have an order, like a cease and desist, not a cease and desist, but basically it was, a um, that type of a thing where they're saying, okay, don't put these plans out. Don't upload them. Don't do this. Don't do that. So I don't know. So we shall see on that type of stuff. But I, again, I do think it is interesting on how both sort of the, uh, the left and the right. And I don't know, we've, I, I would probably say that I see it more on the left than I do coming from the right, but that when they think that that tool or that strategy doesn't really work, they just totally abandon it. And again, I don't see it as much if we go, again, down into the subculture of the gun community. It happens, but it's just not as often. And, uh, you know, it does kind of bring to light or, or at least puts in my mind, again, some of the, oh, the poor tactics and just the... the uh, vicious nature of politics when it's like this and it's it's funny every single election every single one for the past 10 years has been this is the most important election this is the one that's going to change it all boy if we lose this or if we lose that it's going to you know it's going to set us back or it's going to allow us to do you know a b and c and there is probably a grain of truth to some of that stuff but you know, it can't always be this is the most important election of our lifetime. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, as I said before, I kind of live in a glass house, but I'm not saying that to say, oh, you know, I'll never vote or it doesn't matter whether you vote or not. But on some issues, like I said, I don't think it, it makes too much of a difference because a lot of times the bigger stuff is kind of tied to maybe some of the smaller things in that these guys want to, both sides want to cement power for whichever, whenever they're in charge, they both want to grow the government. They both want to spend like crazy. They don't want to really rein anything in. Anyway, I think I'm kind of rambling now and I will uh, wrap this up with a, with a, a second part tomorrow. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, maybe sort of downsizing some of my guns that I have. And, uh, well, yeah, I thought maybe I could continue talking about that. But we'll talk a little bit about that and a little bit about some of the projects. I'm thinking about... I thought I was going to... Well, I've got a little bit of time still. And I was thinking about doing this on the second segment, and maybe I'll, I'll mention it briefly again. But we'll, we'll kind of wrap this segment up with this. And I don't want this to come off as sounding kind of whiny or douchey or why isn't this, why isn't it that. But the numbers of downloads and stuff that I get since I've been kind of trying to do the show on a weekly basis, it really hasn't really gone up or gone down all that much. It's gone up slightly, but not a ton. So I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe going every other week 
and then uh, really doing the thing with Armed Ape, getting that up and going, and giving the Armed Ape a chance to kind of resurface a little bit, and just having this be every other week. So every other week I'll be able to put out a show. Uh, and I may, what I may do too is still you know do segments, so the shows may end up being longer. But uh, I'd like to get some feedback from you guys on that. Uh, and again, like I said, my numbers aren't of downloads aren't going up that much. So it seems that you have to have, let's say for every hundred people that you have listening, maybe you'll get one person that will actually kind of write in or call in or say, Oh, this is what I think you should do. Or, or, you know, just even just giving you feedback on questions that I ask. So that should, and, and it kind of goes out about that because I've, I've got, you know, maybe four or five people that were regularly, uh, well, I guess I should say semi-regularly, but they're they're the ones that are kind of the same contributors that I get. I don't get a whole lot of new stuff. So anyway, I guess what I'd like to know is, do you guys want me to keep going weekly? Do you think it it would be fine? I don't know that the numbers will, even when I was going huge drop-offs, my base numbers kind of still stayed the same of how many people were downloading the show. So I think maybe going to a once every two week schedule with firearms cafe may be the way to go. Like I said, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I've got 50,000 people a week downloading the show. It's just never, I I'm small potatoes and I'm fine with that, but I think I might be able to put out maybe a more of a, um, more polished show or something that has a little bit more, a little bit better flow to it. I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, let me know what you guys think. If I, if I get a bunch of feedback that says, Oh, keep going, you know, once a week, we like the weekly format. I'll stick with it. If I don't really hear anything or if I get feedback that says, Hey, twice a week is great or would work out fine. Uh, then I'll probably go that route. So, all right, I'm going to sign off for now. I will talk to you guys here in a couple seconds. Well, hey, everybody. You got time warped a little bit. It's actually Saturday the 27th. I am parked out waiting to go into a pancake breakfast that I got to do at my daughter's school. So I came a little early knowing that I would have a little bit of time to maybe finish off this segment, hopefully get the show out for you guys later today. Anyway, this part will be a little bit shorter. And what I wanted to talk about was kind of what I hinted at the other day which was I think I am going to start making some reductions in my gun collection. And I've got a couple of different reasons for doing that. And I know some of you guys are out there saying, oh, no, don't do it. You know, keep them. It, it, uh, it doesn't really cost you anything to, to hold on to them. Maybe five, ten years from now, you'll kind of wish that you had that thing. But, you know, for me, and I'm sure there are some other people out there, that are like this. I used to be kind of that guy where I would be a little bit overly sentimental kind of towards the guns that I had and kind of had that feeling of, oh, you know what, what if I, you know, want this thing or what if I need it, you know. And I think kind of some of that stuff is sort of, oh, some of the issues I had maybe with letting go of some stuff. Uh, Now, there are a couple of guns that I have I have a 357, a Smith and Wesson, uh, 686, and I've had that gun since I think I was in college, and so I don't think I'll ever get rid of that thing. Um, 
that's one that I kind of, it does have a lot of sentimental value for me. And it's also, when you think about it, it's sort of two guns in one because you can shoot a 357 Magnum through it. You can also shoot 38 Special. And if you reload, you can kind of make those things sort of go up and down. Uh, and, you know, you can shoot sort of plus P loads through it if you wanted because it's, it's chambered to take the, uh, the higher pressure and the abuse of the Magnum load. So um, that's something that I think that I'll always keep. I, I like that gun. I do probably need to send it into a, uh, a good gunsmith who's good on revolvers and have them really sort of fine-tune and clean that thing up for me. I don't shoot it that often, and uh, a few years ago, a little bit of a side note, when we went to Montana, we had some friends that had a cabin up there, and they're like, well, hey, you know, you get yourself up there, you can stay there for free, and so basically it just cost us the airfare to get out there. So anyway, kind of digressing a little bit, but I did end up taking that, and I can't remember what episode uh, number this, it was. But I did um, talk about kind of flying with it. That was one of, I think, the first guns that I ever flew with. And we were on, I think, was it Allegiant Airlines? Anyway, I didn't really have any problems with it. But kind of turning the dial back on the Wayback Machine, the way that I did it is I went on their website. I I, uh, actually went down to the airline because it's not that far away. It flies out of a smaller airport. And I went down and I actually talked to a ticketed agent, talked to um, a TSA person, and said, well, this is what I'm going to do, and, and you know, this is the, the case that I'm going to bring, and blah, 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 blah. And, and so they were like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal. And then the day that we got there, of course, the, the person that I talked to, none of those people were there. And the lady was like saying, oh, well, you need to do this and this and that, which was all wrong. And it was like, no, I can't do this and that because if I do that, it's a, you know, it would be considered a felony. And then so eventually we had to get another, an actual TSA guy because the person I was talking to was just like the airline ticket agent person. So anyway, that was a gun that I took to Montana. I wanted to have something that because of the location that we were going to be, if there was a bear or something like that, that at least I would have somewhat of a chance. And so I made some uh, reloads, made some pretty hot reloads with some, what did I, I don't know if I used like a lead, some hardened lead bullets. So my, or if I used like a plated bullet, I can't remember. But anyway, they were solid. They weren't hollow points or anything. And the reason that I had those was because if we were out hiking or if we're out in the woods, I wanted to have something to where I could get some penetration that type of thing. So anyway, that is probably one that I will always keep. I do have a shotgun, an old 20 gauge, it's a Mossberg, a pump, that I got, I think my dad got for me when I was 10 or 11, and I think I talked, you know, the first maybe 10 episodes about getting that thing. But anyway, it was a little bit too big for me at that time. So I've kept that thing over the years, I've been hesitant to get rid of it. I never really shoot it. The only thing I was thinking that I might do with it is maybe buy a a little bit of a shorter barrel for it and also get a, uh, a different magazine tube. Again, I don't know if I'll ever do this, but if I did something like that, I might make it a smaller home defense shotgun uh, where it would be a 20 gauge. And so maybe that would be something that if I was gone, 
or it might be something that one day if, if my daughter would ever want it uh, that would be a nicer a little bit softer shooting gun that she could have you know, I don't know uh, I, I go back and forth even on selling that uh, but because I've had that thing you know pretty much almost my whole life it's kind of it may be one of those things that I sort of always keep but I do have a couple other things that I'm wanting to get rid of like I said I do have that car p380 I had that thing up on arms list Man, I really wish Backpage hadn't been shut down out here. They got shut down basically, I think, for sex trafficking, that type of thing. So, But it was very, very convenient as far as being able to put something up on there, list it in, in their classified ads uh, you know, under sporting goods, and you could sell a gun usually within maybe, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks if... If, you, if it was priced fairly. And unfortunately, the only thing I kind of have right now, I don't necessarily want to go through Gun Broker. You can go through Arms List, and I've done that, and I actually did sell a, um, what did I sell that? Uh, FNP 45, FN 45 that I had. I ended up selling that through Arms List, and that worked out pretty good. Sold it to a guy uh, locally out here in the Phoenix area. And for some of you guys maybe that don't know, or if this is, your first or second time listening, you can, uh, in certain states, you can sell firearms privately. So it's, it's just like anything else. It's like be selling somebody your iPhone or something like that. It's just uh, considered property. Now, you do have to do due diligence, meaning that you have to believe that that person would not be a prohibited possessor or that they're buying that gun from you. Maybe they're not, but you think that they're going to give it to or sell it to somebody else. Uh, who would not be a, basically being a straw purchase? And as long as you think, oh, I, you know, I have no reason to believe that this person isn't buying the gun for himself or herself, depending on who you're selling it to, uh, then you should be fine. Like I said, I, I, uh, I do miss the ease of Backpage. Nothing has really popped up out here locally, at least as far as I know about. Um, and like I said, I did have some luck with Armless. I did put the the P380, the car on um, on arms list and I did have some bites at first but they were one of them was just super weird a couple of them were weird and then I had another guy that was kind of sketchy and I, I can't remember if I talked about it or not but he we were going back and forth kind of texting and he's like hey would you take you know this much for it and I said no this is how much I the lowest I'll go is this if you know if, if that's not what you're willing to do you know, have a nice day and no hard feelings, that type thing. And so he was like, oh, okay, let's do that. And then I got this stuff where he was like, oh, I don't have a car. Can you bring it out to me? And, you know, some of this other thing. And so it's all of a sudden some red flags just started going bloop, 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 popping up all over the place. And I, you know, messaged the guy back and I'm like, ah, this is starting to sound kind of sketchy. And he was like, oh, you know, and he was cool about it. You know, he wasn't like, you know, F you and I'll find you and kill your family and all this other kind of weird stuff. But so it was nothing like that. But still, it, it was definitely easier because um, arms list it's across the country. So you know, again, and I like I said, I and I I I don't know. I may try to go to a gun show, but then you know you got to pay to get in and all this other stuff. And so I don't know. Uh, arms list may I think I can probably get the the most amount of money 
overall with with uh, the least amount of hassle. So anyway, like I said, I am thinking about kind of reducing some of the guns that I have and some of them, and I've talked about this before, I'm kind of a sucker for oh oddball guns or guns that maybe are, are manufactured, uh, not necessarily like a boutique thing, but guns that are a little bit unusual or guns that I think, oh, you know, this kind of fills a niche. And then it turns out, well, nobody else really thought that or only maybe two or 3,000 people only thought that and that's all that they've ever bought. Well, if in a country this size, if you have a firearm and you only sell two or 3,000 of them, that's a, an abysmal failure. Uh, and, you know, that, that's I'm just throwing that out as a number. But So one of the things, and I, I think I've talked about, the, um, the SIG 556R was one of the ones that I bought, and I bought it kind of at when it was at a premium. It was a fair price, but the prices that they're going for now are not what I would want to let the rifle go for. Like if I wanted to get a quick sale, I would have to come down in price so much from what I bought the thing for that it's kind of like, well, you know what, I'll just keep it. And I've also got a Robinson uh, XCR L, the light, and 5.56. And there are a lot of things that I like about that rifle, but there are some things that I don't like um, as far as design-wise, but they're pretty minimal, and I think they could probably be fixed. However, uh, again, with both that SIG and, and the Robinson, you have the problem of, especially with the SIG, well, they're not really doing anything with that rifle anymore, so what are you going to do for aftermarket parts? If something goes bad with it, or if something breaks, you know, am I going to be able to get parts to fix it, or do I just have to try and sell it at that point at a huge loss and say, well, you know, I, I, you know, maybe somebody else can buy this thing and fix it, but it's, you know, it's broken, so you're, you know, almost going to have to give the thing away. But I like that rifle. It's, uh, and I think what I'm going to start doing is shooting that thing a little bit more. So I probably will end up keeping that unless there was, excuse me there, I had to clear my throat. Anyway, I like that rifle. And unless there was some big resurgence where the price would go up, which I don't envision happening, it's probably going to end up being a keeper for me. Now, with the Robinson, I think that there is, it's a little bit more of a popular rifle in Canada. So if we have any... Canadian listeners that are out there, you know, chime in with that. Let me know kind of what are the pros and cons of for you guys up there with that rifle. Can you get parts? Is the market a little bit more uh, active, I guess, up there as far as, okay, they're doing stuff like the company, Robinson is doing stuff. But, you know, it is a smaller company. And here's, here's one of the problems when you go with a smaller company as opposed to something big like SIG is you know the the model year that I have or the or the uh, model of that rifle the the I what's the word I'm looking for the iteration of it is let's say it's um, Gen two as opposed and now they're up to like probably Gen five or six or something like that on that rifle and what they wanted to do is they wanted to go several different ways. And instead of developing maybe some stuff for that Gen 1 or Gen 2 rifle, they just kind of said, eh, we just leave it behind. 
and you know you just sell this thing in upgrade type deal so there are some upgrades that you can get but you go to their website it's hard to navigate it's not very well done as far as being able to talk to the company and say oh it's got one of those old ace kind of skeleton stocks on there it's a folding stock but i'd always thought it would be nice if they would just make an adapter where you could then go and use uh, pretty much any ar-15 type stock on there and one guy at one point had done them and he was sort of i think he was a machinist and he did a run of about a hundred of them and of course those went away rather quickly and that guy doesn't have any interest in in doing it i don't think because he it wasn't too cost effective for him but anyway i know i'm rambling on and on and on but if i could fix a couple of things with that robinson i would probably keep it but again you know the the price that i paid for it and what you could get him for today is the the gap is so large that it's one of those things of like well I'll just keep it and we'll sort of go from there type thing. So anyway, I think I am going to wrap this up. I need to go inside and eat my pancake breakfast. I would love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you think on the scheduling as far as going every other week and putting out an episode. I think that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Let me know if you think I should stay weekly. I can do that as well. Uh, But I think... Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, like I said, with with the numbers, I think that it doesn't make that much of a difference. Uh, so let me know. If, if I hear from enough of you guys, I'll stay on a weekly basis. If I don't hear from too many of you, or if you, uh, or if it, like I said, if it doesn't really matter all that much to you, if you're like, well, hey, you know, we, we kind of kind of save these up anyway and then listen to them uh, go on a binge. I know that with podcasts, people listen to them very differently. So anyway, let me go ahead and give you guys the contact info again. Area code 206-745-2731 is the voicemail. You are limited to 90 seconds on that. So if you wanted to record your own audio or if you wanted to send me an email, firearmscafe at protonmail.com is the place to send that. Again, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Let me know if you have any um, experience up in Canada with like availability or with getting better uh, parts or aftermarket parts with the Robinson XCL, XCR, excuse me, XCRL is what I have. All right, guys, I'm really starting to ramble here, so I will talk to you next time. Here we go.